Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Hello, and thank you all once again for tuning in to us here at the Yoga Voice. And today's conversation is a is a really amazing person that I've felt felt really fortunate to have him on the show. He's the director of the Miami Life Center. He's an authorized Ashtanga teacher. He conducts workshops throughout the Americas, Asia, Europe, and Australia. And actually, he'll be coming to City Yoga in the fall of 2020. Tim Feldman. So. Tim is coming at you. He's just an inspiring person to listen to. He's a, a longtime uh, yoga practitioner and teacher. We talked a lot about really the sacred nature of our yoga practice and his various trips to Mysore and, and the teachings he's been able to absorb from many great teachers around the world and how he can deliver that teaching to his students, particularly down at their studio in, in Miami. He, sh- he shares the space with his wife, Keno McGregor, who's been on the show as well. And it was really fun to just kind of delve into, you know, what it means to embody this practice and living our yoga and having this uh, interest in studying the sutras and the ancient texts. And we talked a lot about that because we both have that in common, this desire of a thirst really for knowledge about yoga and the transformation of human beings through these simple practices that uh, take take discipline and, and take energy and effort. So we got in into a lot of some deep areas and then we had some lively conversation as well. So do enjoy this upcoming talk with Tim Feldman on the Yoga Voice. There it goes. All right, we're on. So welcome everyone to the Yoga Voice. Dave Sims here, your host today. And with me is Tim Feldman. Welcome, Tim. Thank you very much, Dave. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's awesome to have you. And we're, you know, for our listening audience, we're doing this via Zoom uh, due to uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, trying to to be safe and still keep, you know, the voice of the yoga voice out there. And I uh, uh, am excited to talk with Tim because we just you know, had a little conversation earlier, but we haven't actually met. Um, his wife, Kino, has been coming to City Yoga for, I think I went, I think I met her 10 years ago or so. And, uh, and a lot of our students have ventured on down to his studio in Miami and and had such amazing things to say and uh, about him as a teacher. And of course, I've listened to uh, Chat and Chai, the huh. Miami Life podcast that uh, Tim sometimes hosts, along with Kino and some of their teachers and students there. And uh, so I'm excited to, you know, uh, hear about your yoga journey. 
as a way to get started, I always like to ask this question. I know you have a long, a vast experience in yoga, but what's really inspiring you about yoga today? Well, today I um, sat down with, I just found on YouTube, um, like literally today, <laughs> I found a YouTube, some YouTube recordings with uh, um, Ramaswamy. Uh, what is his name? Sviratsa, that is in the first name, Ramaswamy, who uh, I followed some years. I have never gotten to practice with him. And there's some recordings where he goes over the Bhagavad Gita chapter by chapter. So I was listening to that today, and um, that gives me fire to get on the mat. Uh, these days, you know, getting swinging the leg behind my head is not in itself so extremely interesting for me anymore. It was for maybe 10, 15 years. And, um, but these days, I like to get it back there. I like to put in the work uh, that it takes to get my leg back there on a continuous daily basis because I find that um, it is so in line with the primary text, the scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita and the Yoga Sutras and so forth. And I really do find that what uh, these gentlemen, like Patanjali, they promise us, um, that I, I, I find I get an entry and a physical, experiential, yogic understanding of these very um, uplifting words that we teachings that we find in these texts. I find I get some of my hands on it. I get a grip on it. I get to like somewhat understand that. Um, so 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 that gets me going these today yeah. and these days. Yeah, very cool. Well, that's I always like to, you know, hear people's perspective on the present day and uh, the. Uh, and I've, I've sensed when I've listened to you, you know, do an interview or, or teach something on a YouTube that it, is, it really is a sacred practice. Um, it seems to like you treat it like a very sacred practice, which I, which I do um, as well. Um, so That's what I hear about you. <laughs> so, so for our listeners that may not be familiar with you, um, do you want to delve in however far back you want to go to your your yoga journey and kind of a little bit of what what Tim was like before yoga and then what drew you to the mat and then what's kind of kept you there? How's it evolved? So Yeah. Uh, I have a question maybe before we start. Is this just my voice or is this also my my image? I'm trying to figure out how pretty should I like maintain my facial expressions here? Uh, we're just going to do voice. I, I oh, just, so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just left the video on so we can like we can see each other eye to eye. So yeah. I understand. I I will let down my hair then. <laughs> let it all loose. Uh, well. Um, I started yoga because I um, kind of had to, because uh, of a coincidence, because of an accident. Um, when I was younger, I uh, early on in my teens, I figured out that dancing and theater and so forth was what I wanted to pursue. I went to a, a school in Holland. I'm from Denmark originally. I went to uh, Holland and I joined a, a school there 
for contemporary dance and I studied there for four years. Um, and <clears throat> I danced with different dance companies and so forth. And at some moment very on in my uh, projection of that in my career, um, I visited some friends in Venezuela and they took me to a mountain called El Avila. And I, I was a foolish um, kind of guy, reckless, didn't know what I was doing. And, and I fell, fell over a ridge there and I fell down very far, <clears throat> uh, broke a lot of bones, uh, should have died, didn't. Um, took two years to rehabilitate. And then at that time when that happened, I just moved to New York. I took two years off to rehabilitate. The doctor said I wouldn't. Um, and the state of Denmark, who has socialized, which has socialized medicine, offered me um, partial invalid pension and so forth. <clears throat> but I was kind of set uh, uh, on what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to get back on stage. That was kind of like what I had in mind. And I managed to do that two years later. I moved back to New York and I pursued where I left. Um, but it was, uh, my body was uh, pretty beat up. <clears throat> At some moment, um, through the dancing and through some good friends and teachers, uh, I took a class at Jiva Mukti. Ah. And um, I walked in there. <clears throat> and uh, first of all, I was practicing right in front, facing uh, Willem Dafoe, <laughs> who had just come out, I believe, that year with uh, Wings of Desire, Wim Wenders' movie about Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was Lucifer and um, some other stuff like Willem Dafoe was definitely my hero yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and other people that was very insp- inspirational to me. And uh, my body just really soaked up that practice and, and I could feel my body was just yearning almost like it was like a scream of, uh, finally you listen to me. Kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, from that uh, practice there. So I kept going uh, and I kept practicing there. In those days, they were very, very Ashtanga based. All the teachers was going down to Eddie Stern, practicing with him every day. Okay. I moved back to Denmark and uh, five years down the road from here, I um, bumped into an Italian senior uh, teacher. His name is Leo Miele. Mm-hmm. In those days, there was basically two Ashtangis in Europe. There was John Scott and Lino Miele, and I was lucky enough to bump into one of them. And um, uh, that was even more amazing, what I felt with the, with the Ashtanga yoga there. And Lino Miele was such a masterful mover. <clears throat> so as a, I was still working with dance and choreography, so looking at him, I thought, I don't... I don't even care if you do yoga or dance or whatever you do. I want to study with you because something is going on the way that you can practice, the way you can move your body. And um, he taught from the idea. It was kind of the old school. Those days, that was the, the, the word on the Ashtanga street. Um, 99% practice, 1% theory. So he kind of taught that literally, like, don't read. You know, don't... <laughs> Just get to your mat, except, you know, read Patabi Joyce, uh, book Yoga Mala. And <clears throat> about four years later, he said to me, he pointed at the Desikachas, one of Desikachas' book, and he said, did you read that? Mm-hmm. And I threw my hands up and I said, no, of course not. He, say, he said, read it. Uh, <laughs> and then from then on, I, 
So the Heart of Yoga, was that that book? I think it was The Heart of Yoga, yes. Okay. And I loved it. Yeah. And from then on, I started to read. And um, he, uh, Lena was always talking about Patab Joyce. Guruji, as we called him in those days. And he, um, so it was clear for me that I had to go to Mysore and meet uh, Patab Joyce. But I was very uh, scared of it because of all my injuries. So I thought I have to know yoga very well because this is a guru you can't say no to an old-fashioned grand Indian guru. So, um, but then after some years, uh, then I started to go to Mysore. That was in 2003, 2004, some of like that. And I've been going ever since. Uh, first practicing with Tab Joyce, later with uh, Sharat. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of my projection. Yeah. Well... So you were really got into it in the back in the nineties when yoga was really taken off in America. Um, and then you back to Europe and was it taken off in Europe as well at that time? You know, when I bumped into Ashtanga yoga, that was in 99, there wasn't a lot of yoga around okay. uh, those days, you know, you could definitely find it, but it wasn't super popular. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I was uh, practicing, from 99 we were a small practice group that would get together and practice and that was especially me and one other lady and believe it or not her name was bendy <laughs> uh, from Denmark, <laughs> bendy fawabu and um we would meet up most days and practice together in in her little summer cottage usually just on the outskirts of the coast of uh, denmark mm -hmm. um and sometimes with other people also so we were a very small community and then slowly it started to grow more and more. Yeah. Well, um, so do you, do you visit family and go back to Denmark regularly these days or? Yeah. yeah, I usually go about once a year, usually in the summertime when Miami, where I live now is super hot and kind of a little bit too hot for a northerner like me. Yeah. Then I, I retreat to the old country where I can uh, sustain the temperature a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I have uh, my daughter's going to school. She's in school in Scotland. She's doing oh. her uh, four-year undergrad there. So she's right uh, halfway through. Um, sheltering. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good excuse to go visit. Um, but she, I think it was last summer or last fall, she went to Copenhagen to go at, like a weekend because, you know, college kids, you know, exploring places. And she loved Yeah, and it takes an hour and you can, you know, if you get like one of those cheap tickets, then you can go there for, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. Oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of right up there where, uh, so Audrey's over in St. Andrews, in Scotland and then I have a, a daughter-in-law that's from Estonia and um, oh. so there's a lot of travel back and forth there um, with my kids and all that so those are some beautiful places Estonia Tallinn is absolutely stunning and lovely people and I had the privilege of, uh, of visiting uh, touristing a little bit and teaching at around Edinburgh Inverness in Scotland last year Oh, loved it. Have you gone, Dave? Have you been over there yet? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Scotland about th three times and okay. uh, toured right around there. So, so my 
my mother's maiden name is McFarland. So, oh, there you go. So we were, you know, very, very strong Scottish roots. And uh, yeah. first time I went over, I took my daughter uh, to get her moved in freshman year. And we just, you know, drove around sort of heading up through part of the highlands and to the, the locks. And there's a, uh, uh, there's a McFarland Castle ruins on this little teeny island out in the middle of this Loch Lomond, which is one of the larger um, locks over there. And uh, a fun fact is that the, there used to be a neighboring castle just a little ways down the shoreline that was the uh, McGregor's Castle. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's fine. So did you go back to, to reclaim it, your, your <laughs> castle there? Yeah, yeah. Castle? Yeah, we just, uh, yeah, it, it felt, it, it, it was kind of weird to put your feet on the ground and touch the stones and, and, um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, so that was fun. And it was fun, you know, driving a boat out on the lake and hearing the local, yeah. uh, local stories about the, the, uh, some of that old history and stuff. So anyway, mm -hmm. but. But yeah, and it's interesting, my, when my daughter first visited her school there to see if she was going to go, she, she said she felt, she felt like she was coming home. And uh, you know, she has red hair, and ah. she, she looks like she could have been born there. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. but I bring that up when I was there and practicing yoga. That it seemed like there was a, quite a bit of Ashtanga floating around. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so that... It seems like there's still a pretty good Ashtanga influence on, on the U, in the UK. I don't know. So, I'd say very much so. There's also some really truly wonderful yogi aspirants, some Ashtangis there, like um, Hamish Hendry from uh, oh, yeah. uh, London and Joey Miles up in Leeds and uh, Sarah Miles down in. Um, what's it called, Brighton Beach, and so forth, and, and many more. There are some really, you know, people that has the heart in the right place and is able to um, guide people very well. Mm -hmm. So I would be surprised if not. You know, when there's a good thing happening, you know, some people, they will realize and they will flock, luckily. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, now, do you still go to Mysore every year I, to study? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The uh, I had uh, Taylor Hunt on the show not too long ago, and mm -hmm. uh, he Good said man. he had recently gone and he and he, he was really um, intrigued by the the new space that um, Sharat has opened up, and then he he said it was just an amazing. He went to there with a little apprehension because of change, and and then found that it was a uh, it was just like, wow, really transformative. Have you been to the new space over there yet? Um, so he just opened that new space in January this year. And we were supposed to go there, my wife, Kino, and I. But um, we have this amazing project that we started up. We bought an old factory, an old warehouse, a huge old worn down piece of brick <laughs> that we are trying to... Uh, beat into shape um, so we had to cancel our trip and um, 
and focus on that. So I have not been there, but I've heard the same thing as you, that the new, um, even though it's like 20, 20 minutes from uh, Gokulam, where the old Shala is, so the, the new Shala, it was called at that time, the main Shala, uh-huh. it's 20 minutes by um, some kind of, you know, uh, mechanical transportation <laughs> outside of Gokulam that people really like the new space. It's much more organized. It's much more airy and so forth. Yeah. I've heard the same. So tell me about this, this building you guys are working on. What, what's that project? Is that going to be a new home for Miami life or is it, what is it? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, we, um, we've been looking around and, uh, Kino has, uh, this uh, online yoga channel, Netflix for yoga, as she calls it, um, called Om Stars. And um, she's been looking for a place where she can uh, have a decent filming facility because she's spending uh, a fair bit of money on renting all the time. Yeah. So that's that. And then we were talking about if it was possible to restructure the shala that we have so she could film there and we could have classes there. And it never really worked. So um, long story short, we started looking around, more kind of like just to figure out for fun what was possible and so forth. And uh, we bumped into this uh, building before it hit the market, before it got on the market. And um, we'd actually seen it a little, seen it before. I stopped the car one day when we were out for coffee on a Sunday. And I said, check it, check out that building. Imagine if we could move Miami Life Center Ohm Stars into that building. Yeah. And lo and behold, suddenly there's a realtor that shows us that building and says it's not on the market yet, but uh, I might be able to talk the owner into uh, to, buy, to selling you this building. And we walked in and, and just completely love it. But don't get me wrong, it's um, it needs a handyman or two in there, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Well, that, so I don't, so my wife, is a she had wanted to move her practice she's a family physician and she wanted uh-huh. to move her out of a um, medical building where she was with a group of doctors and have her own her own space where she could uh, you know have a garden out there and she could have yoga and meditation you know so that because she you know has always practiced you know, Western medicine with, with a slant towards some of the Eastern flavor of things for healing and, and, um, you know, like yoga and things like that. And, and it was a building we drove by, you know, many times and looked Uh at like, um, and and it had, uh, it actually had been an old church and then it had been like a Pilates studio for like 10 years. And, um, and then someone had it briefly to try to do yoga and Pilates. And um, like one day we drove by and it was for sale. And we were kind of competitively bidding with somebody else that was wanting to put a dog kennel in it. <laughs> and then, no. You know, <laughs> so the, actually the neighborhood kind of is in a residential area and then it kind of rallied around like we'd much rather have yoga there than a lot of dog barking all the time. And um, right. so then became the rehab process. 
you know, because it was still kind of had carpet from the 70s and it, yeah. it, <laughs> it, it was a major renovation. So that it's been open about four years now. So, um, you know, and, and we kind of set a little City Yoga satellite studio there to offer some. So I so I understand like what what's coming <laughs> as yeah we we are in the middle of the construction actually it sounds exactly the same story there uh, except we didn't have to competitively bid with a dog owner <laughs> but um uh, we uh, we are we in the middle and we're actually trying to do something just like that we're trying to create not only a yoga studio and a filming studio but create some kind of at the moment we call it the educational facility like yeah. an educational institution um, and we're trying to figure out what goes in there, but we are talking with some artists about maybe having artist residencies in there. Mm -hmm. We uh, are talking with uh, a really good friend of ours who is a Chinese, traditional Chinese practitioner, medicine practitioner, about having such a program in there. Um, we will be two yoga studios in there because it's a really big building. We'll be Miami Life Center focusing on traditional Stanga yoga and we'll be what's called Winwood Yoga, which will come in and do uh, more eclectic kind of different kind of Hatha Yoga and Hot Yoga and things like that. Uh -huh. um, and then we have, and then we want to do like more events, you know, try to figure out what kind of events is, uh, is good for the community and good for the Ashtangis and for the yogis and, and so forth. So we're, we're trying to open up the box a little bit with this thing. Yeah. Well that, you know, that's really cool. And um I'm like happy to hear that because I know um, when you talk about the Shtanga community and the yoga community and sort of a bringing together and a, uh, I don't know if it's what the word is, maybe a uh, uh, just sort of like a collaboration. It's not, I mean, when I look at your schedule down at, at Miami Life and I, I, you know, I know it's, it's a traditional Ashtanga and with a lot of Mysore and you know led half primary all that and but you also you've worked in some yen restorative and then you know i've seen prenatal and and kids yoga and meditation and those things popping up that um how how does that whole center evolve from uh, from where it began to where like you're heading now with a um, a building potentially to open, you know, have two studios um, attracting different yogis, but under one roof. Um, well, you know, oh, when I started Ashtanga Yoga, I started out with that method um, as per Krishnamacharya and Patabi Joyce that kind of stangyo because I thought it was so special and I still really find it very special and find my preferred type of um, Hatha yoga of asana practice. But it is just basically Patanjali Sishtanga yoga. You know, it is just basically what we call classic yoga. And classic yoga is not necessarily uh, uh, differentiating between you know whether you jump through between your asanas or whether you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, as, uh, 
classic yoga, traditional yoga is interested in whether we are moving towards um, uplifting ourselves instead of degrading ourselves, we could say. Mm-hmm. They will take choices in the direction where we become oh, better human beings or we take choices that is more useful to our own fulfillment as uh, people, as human beings, rather than falling into taking choices which seems to be to our benefit, but long-term it's, it's, it's not at all. Um, and to practice this type of classic yoga, or Raja yoga, as we call it, mm-hmm. classic yoga or Ashtanga yoga, that doesn't matter really if we do uh, the vinyasa, uh, the Ashtanga vinyasa method, or if we do the yin method, or if we do whatever method that we do. And what I like about the teachers at Miami Lifestyle is they're so well educated. They go to India, many of them are authorized from Sharat and so forth. And they keep a curious mind about real yoga. Um, And therefore, they are able to teach to the student that walks in the door. At least I like to tell myself that. Yeah. And so, so even even though our preferred kind of our personally preferred method to classic yoga is as per Patabi Joyce, and therefore we include vinyasas between our between our asanas, and we follow a particular sequence. That doesn't mean that we cannot teach classic yoga, um, tapping into everything we know in a slightly different um, modality. Mm-hmm. So if I can be totally honest with you, I almost don't see a difference. I just see like what are people inspired to do? Like do they like cheese or do they like um, sweets or what do they like? You know, and then according to what they are um, gravitating towards, we offer some modalities of asana practice and lectures and philosophy and uh, anatomy and so forth, which hopefully will be to benefit for a grand majority of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. A long speech about a simple question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. I like in-depth answers, you know. Um, well, and I think it's, it's, um, <sighs> I mean, you've you've been in the yoga world much longer than I have. I mean, you talked about um, going to Mysore in 2003 or four, and uh, that's that's really when I first encountered yoga. And you know, it it was several years later that I developed a daily practice. And um, you know, there wasn't really much Ashtanga in Indianapolis at the time. there were some studios doing kind of David Swenson's short form with music in a hot room. <laughs> and that was my, yeah. that was my introduction to Ashtanga. And, and I liked That's it. That's pretty much what I did at Jiva Mukti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, and then, um, and I started, you know, teaching yoga and doing this and that. And, and, um, I ended up buying city yoga and, um, and they had they had some traditional ashtanga going on there, and I remember a uh, somebody asked me to to sub a class, and because I'm like, oh yeah, I've taught ashtanga before, you know, and I was th- thinking of a different 
you know, it wasn't traditional. And, um, and so they're basically, we'll basically just take them through. Um, it was kind of a hybrid Mysore. It was like, take them through a, uh, like the primary series. I'm like, okay, so I better, you know, that week before I thought, well, I better kind of study up on the primary series. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't my daily practice at the time. And, so I get out of like a David Swenson video of the full primary. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I am, I'm so in over my head here. And um, so anyway, I, and I went to the class. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, you guys, you know, uh, I'm really not qualified to teach this, but I don't want you guys to have to miss out on your practice. So I can get you through about half of it that I know. And you're kind of on your own for the rest. If, if you, if you need help, you know, and want me to assist you, let me know, but um, I'm going to let you make that call. And, um, and it was a great group. You know, it was like 20 people and some very new people that could really help, you know, and some seasoned practitioners that were, you know, they were just kind of fine doing, doing their own practice without, so it wasn't a lead class. It was more of a, a Mysore style um, practice. And uh, it was an only ninety minute class, so so anyway, that was. It, it sounds to me that you guys were in it together. You know, <laughs> you were trying to learn to teach, and they were trying to learn to practice. <laughs> Is and that's like if, as a practitioner, you know, when you're when you stand next to a transparent, honest, uh, person, teacher with integrity and compassion and willingness to do what it takes, man, that, isn't that just what we want? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and the, um, the, the thing that always kind of perplexes me a, a little bit about Ashtanga is the, um, is this kind of question that goes through my mind periodically is like, um, cause I tried to support like a morning Mysore and, and really kind of have a, have a good, a stronger community. And it, it kind of bubbles up and it kind of plateaus and, uh, you know, like, well, Kino will come through or another stronger teacher will come through and it'll gain a little enthusiasm. And, and then when I visit around other places and, and look at, um, you know, what studios are doing and it seems, I don't know how to say this. It, um, it's, I, it seems like the, I hate to use the word successful, but uh, maybe say like the larger Ashtanga programs seem to be personality driven where there's like a Kino and Tim or there's like a Taylor or there's like Hamish or, you know, there's these people that are, uh -huh. have a, a great passion for the practice, but they're they also have a, have a pretty strong personality that if you like uh -huh. took them out of the equation, the community would be, there would be a sort of gaping hole in the community. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. So, yes. I, I don't know. Um, so like, so part of me thinks, well, we need a teacher with a strong personality to drive the program, but that's not what we're, we're more about. It's community and having, um, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Other than that, I, I oh, love. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 
Is that... I, I think I do at least. Yeah, no, you're talking about charisma. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like there's a person like with great charisma. You know, when you find a person with great charisma, those are the guys that becomes rock stars and movie stars and, you know, famous or that they are able to round people up easier. So, of course, that is like a big help if you have, if there's a person with charisma that takes up a particular yoga, they're more likely to get a, a flog around them. But I think that there's different ways of being very inspirational. And one is, you know, somewhat of a, a charismatic personality. But I think that there is, um, there's also content based. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, if you happen to have both, if you really know your your stuff, I think a lot of people will recognize that. If you know your stuff and you're able to communicate it, there's something else that needs to be there, of course. Then um, people will recognize that. A lot of people will recognize it, and, and they will come. And I think Ashtanga is somewhat, uh, part of it is so nerdy by nature in itself. So the people that are attracted to Ashtanga yoga, they, they will go there. Mm-hmm. And, but I also, and I find that what maybe what you're talking about also is like how to hold the space. I think yeah, that definitely be, need to be someone that holds the space and that person needs to really have a strong fire mm-hmm. for the subject. Like Ashtanga yoga is, it requires lots of discipline. Um, it's not for everybody. It's, it is uh, considerable work in my own opinion, I, f- I feel that it pays off tenfold. But so there needs to, to be someone that can truly hold the space. There needs to be someone that has the fire and can lit the fire around them for people that comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with the dedication. You called it sacredness uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, the commitment, the benefits that this person has personally found in the practice now throw charisma on top of that and you got a star teacher right but i think it is really possible to have a, a teachers that are not necessarily you know brad pitt or angelina jolie you know to uh, to get the message across i really do think so mm-hmm. yeah well that's good to hear and, and i and I, I sense that i mean we have um the young lady running our early morning Mysore has just a huge amount of passion for the practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, you know, gone to India and, and gone to Mysore. And so she's very, you know, has the discipline, has the integrity, has the, the passion. And you can just tell like her heart is all in. And then, um, and she's done a great job. It's, it's like growing, you know, she's been teaching, she's been, the second year of her leading the morning Mysore and it's, it's keeps growing. And, um, and then we have another teacher that uh, she's been down to my Carol has been down to Miami life center um, multiple times. She has some family down there, but she's been teaching. Like she was really one of the first Ashtanga teachers in Indianapolis, you know, 20 years ago. And she's just such a sweet human being. And uh, she teaches a, a, it, I almost want to say almost a hybrid kind of Mysore class. It's uh, yeah, and um, and she does some lead primary, and yeah. she has a great following. She's had students that she's had for years, and she 
you know, has an assistant when her classes get big and, and it's very, very great teacher, you know, helping people advance their practice. She has a really strong, committed daily practice. And uh, um, so the, it, but she doesn't do the early mornings. She does the later in the day classes and some evening led. And then we have our early morning teacher. And then we recently have another teacher that was doing a, like a lead half primary. And uh, she had, was, had been teaching in Hawaii and uh, studied with like, um, oh, uh, mm, Tim Miller. Nancy, Nancy Gilkoff in Hawaii maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tim uh, Miller. Yeah, Tim Miller and um, uh, so, some good, good people. Yeah, so she has a really strong practice, and um, so it's it's kind of it's kind of growing. So by the time when by the time you come to Indy in the fall, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be exploding before that. Be, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, we have we have the gonna this, walk into the middle of all that. Yeah. Well, this this year has been like a you know, uh, sort of little trifecta on our schedule because we, we just had Taylor and then we, Kino is coming early in the fall and you're coming later in the fall. So um, I feel like, you know, the community is going to get a treat um, back to back to back. We hope so. You know, if I can just like go back to like you, the Carol and that other lady you were talking about. So I, I, I really find that, you know, how we say that the first necessity for a yoga teacher is compassion and afterwards it's skill. Mm. Um, I really feel that, you know, first of all, we meet as human beings, like in, in any moment, anywhere, in any situation. And after that, that's when we start to consider what are we going to do together? First, we meet up and we figure out if we have someone in front of us that are, that is, um, that we can put our trust in, a little bit or a lot mm -hmm. and then as soon as we have that established then um, we can move on and I don't think that maybe a, a, a charismatic person is not necessarily the most trustworthy person yeah do you know what I mean like depend on how ego uh, centered that charisma is, floats from mm -hmm. um, and you have someone like the first lady you were talking about who is a sincere Sadaka, a sincere uh, yogi aspirant that is in there because of probably some previous pain and now is finding relief in this. I, I, I think that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. I think people recognize that. If they have a little bit of connection to their own pleasures and pains in their life, they, that is to be recognized. And also that is to be uh, um, appreciated and preferred I'd say in the yoga in the yoga community and sounds like you got the right people there yeah yeah we just need to get our space open back up <laughs> yes oh man yeah but hopefully you know you can uh, open it up early enough so you got you got your stuff ready for when I come yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, we so here some fun stuff. We have uh, one of our our staff. She is uh, a graphic designer by her training, and uh, so she's painting this beautiful mandala on the wall. 
in our lobby. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and to, you know, just to kind of help keep, you know, some people busy. We're, some light. We're, we're painting, you know, painting the walls. You know, we're just doing a little, little uh, maintenance on the building inside. Now is the time. Yeah, so like, well, let's paint the rooms because nobody's in there. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, we filmed some classes there, um, kind of one person at a time in the building kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, who knows when the shelter in place or stay-at-home orders will be lifted. But we're, eh, we're live streaming like 40 classes a week. And we're... We're and how are your students taking to it? Are they uh, are they finding you and they're coming to practice online with you? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely so because we've been a studio for so long since for eighteen years. Um, wow! And um, I've only been there ten, but their students have have just you know been there for year after year, and they're they're coming to online classes and then we're finding students that had moved away are coming to the classes too, which is super cool. We have uh, so you know, nice. a young lady who's like a, she's teaching English in South Korea. She's been, she's been uh. in and uh, we have another uh, actually pretty dedicated um, Ashtangi, Stephanie, who's been in Thailand and Southeast Asia for about two years. And, and she's been coming into the classes. So, so we're seeing, um, you know, some of the classes are bigger online than they were, um, but there's fewer of them. <laughs> so it's, yes. you know, it's a bigger class yeah. on a schedule of 40 versus when we had a schedule of 70, you know, in person. I, I understand. No, so, but that's, it sounds like you've like made a reasonable transition. Congrat congratulations. I'm sure that hasn't been easy. Yeah. Yeah, no. How are you guys? Uh, well, this is a good little segue into what you guys are doing. Uh, looks like the online intensives and the online schedule is pretty, pretty big down there. How's that going? Ah, you know, that's a good expression. It's called uh, to throw paint on the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do. And um, it's been two and a half, three weeks now since we. Um, started to put an online schedule up uh, the first week um, about the first 10 days we just filmed a bunch of classes and threw them up for free on YouTube mm -hmm. and um, they're still there and then um, after that like I started as you know I feel I have responsibility to my teachers to 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 try to give them a a little bit of income you know some of them are single moms and stuff like that they, oh, they yeah. literally do not have any other means so uh, we we are uh, uh, so now we have a, a, a full schedule up uh, also with, with with classes online um, and then we like now uh, started to put some workshops up and that's going pretty good like I've I put one workshop up, a, a one-week workshop in April, and that sold out in three hours. That was like crazy. And then I put another one in, and that sold out in 12 hours. And then I just put another one in that sold in a, another 12 hours. And I'm just going to keep sticking those things on there. You know, if, if, 
if people want to come and practice me in that format, um, I'm super happy. And it means that uh, I can put some money back into the yoga studio and I can maybe meet some new and old people that I know be from before. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you're saying is happening. You know, people that moved away I haven't seen for a long time, they're now finding me there and new people also. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, one of our oldest teachers, one of our most popular teachers, she just moved away from Miami. She moved to um, uh, Charleston, North Carolina. And she was so unhappy and we were so sad that she was leaving the schedule. And as soon as she moved up there here, 1st of April, now I put her back on the schedule because <laughs> of the whole thing. It's uh, so funny. Alexandra is her name, Alexandra Santos. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I, uh, yeah, I saw those. Um, and I must have lucked out because I, I signed up for one of your uh, five-day intensive things. Oh, you did? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It, I think it's in... Uh, uh, it's in May or June. I don't know. It was, yes, I have some in April. I have, and I th- just, I just sold one out that from the first to the fifth of June. Is that maybe when you're that, there? That's probably the one. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, uh, that I'll look forward to that, Dave. I'll try to kick your butt as much as I can, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Overline. Yeah, together. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, my, my practice is a work in progress, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so is my teaching. Don't worry. Uh, right. um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I have this um, photo shoot from a couple of years ago, and um, I have a certain amount of uh, asanas that I did that day. And I'm looking at how quick these workshops sell out, and I'm just putting another photo up with the same text. And I'm thinking, okay, so you know, I have nine more photos left from that series, so I can do nine. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I like I'm out of material. Then I can't uh, teach anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, I um, so I came in yoga through meditation, and uh-huh. what um, kind of meditation, Dave? So, well, I started out in, um, actually, I started out in 12-step recovery, and they just have like okay. a general, one of the steps is sought through prayer and meditation. So I... 12 I, steps, that seems to me to be Patanjali in action right there. Oh, totally, totally. And so it was really, I kind of stumbled into a mindfulness style of meditation. And this was uh-huh. back in the 80s, early 80s. And then um, I've always been a seeker, so I've lots of different meditations I've you know, explored and, and uh, some of the, uh, and even like uh, back then when they had uh, flotation tanks, you know, the, the float oh, tanks. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they, were, yeah. they were kind of making a little splash back then, pardon the pun. I remember. And uh, so yeah. I was doing that and meditating. I mean, it's just trying to, you know, this inward journey and, and then, so I mean, really developed that daily practice then, and stuck with it. Um, got into a lot of like running and triathlons and adventure races and physical. So I had this need for physical, and then I found yeah. yoga. Is and then I came into yoga. It's like okay, um, know nothing about yoga, and. Somebody recommended, I was trained for a marathon. They're like, oh, the stretching, you know, yoga would be good for you. So, you know, I went in and, and immediately the first class, I knew there was like, there was like a meditative component to this. There was more of a sacred feel to it. And um, 
So and, and you could recognize that because you came in with all your previous meditation mindfulness training. So you could you could pick that out like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what I'm intrigued about you is your study of the sutras and the like the seems like the philosophy and the, the sort of the bigger picture of yoga beyond asana. Um mm-hmm. And uh, although, and and one of my favorite um, commentaries on the sutras is one you've mentioned in um, Satchananda. Oh, one. lovely one. And yes. I, I lead a teacher training with a lady named Marsha Pappas, who she studied with him when he was still alive, you know, and that's what she went to his ashram for her teacher training back before we had any yoga studios in Indiana, you know, and uh, so anyway, I've, I've, I have a love for history and philosophy and, um, and it seems like you have a strong interest in that. Where, how did that kind of evolve in yourself from, from dancing, dance movement guy to, you know, Jiva Mukti and yoga and, India and where did where did that sutra study and philosophy come in? It's a good question. I don't think there's like a particular turning point, like eureka moment where I went ah. I think it just came little by little. At first, I was like you. I was just interested in the physicalities. I looked in Lino Mele's book of the first and the second uh, series, and I was a dancer interested in in uh, in the creative part of movement development. Um, movement creation and uh, I looked in that book and I thought man that's some crazy moves these guys got you know so and I um, first time uh, when I started to go to India first with Lino I applied for an artistic uh, research uh, grant and got it that's how I could go to India in my first time and I learned the primary series with Lino there and I came back and I made a solo like a 15 minute solo based on the primary series now, Dave, I don't think that you at all would be able to notice that, but I, I know what's what. <laughs> it's a long time ago. But um, so that's that. But slowly, I think that uh, getting on my mat, you know, um, I'm outside from the beginning, but uh, slowly the some of the most subtle experiences that came through on the mat started to um, ring louder to me um you know like why am i what is this um yearning what is this um question inside of me are this like calling for forgiveness that i'm experienced from who uh what did i do it's kind of abstract because it's not tied on to someone particularly uh, like that was one of the early ones uh, later it's like you know some of those little bit more mystical experience where you're like what the heck was that man <laughs> you know yeah. and and um also just a general you know in those days you know patabi joyce up until a couple of years ago when we all learned that uh, he had a hard time keeping his hands to himself mm-hmm. um which threw me for a as, as a strong loop recently but before that I looked at Patabi Joyce as a very evolved human being 
mm-hmm. and uh, an inspiration and a role model, someone I could look up to. And I was um, definitely feeling that uh, I could I could use some um, improvement, you know, on this uh, the 1966 model, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and. And I was starting to be more and more interested in that. Um, and I found that the yoga practice was uh, grinding down my rough edges in many, in many ways. If you ask my wife, certainly not all of them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. uh, no, I'm just kidding, right? But, and, um, but so I started to like be interested in like, what is it that's going on for me? I feel I'm, there's a change in me and I like this new person better than the old person. And, in my mind, it is very much instigated by yoga, by my practice of yoga. So how does that all work? And then I started to uh, uh, to take some workshops and some lectures with Western teachers. And I always felt that somehow that they, there was a projection of self into the, into the material, into the teachings. And I felt, oh, that doesn't seem like what that's what this particular shloka, this particular verse says. How do they come to that conclusion? And at some moment, I was lucky enough in, in India to um, run into a, a teacher, a retired um, professor from the Sanskrit University in Mysore, mm-hmm. a very highly esteemed man um, who is... Uh, truly educated and truly knowledgeable and I took one class with him and um, his uh, humbleness together with his clarity and his down-to-earthness um, made me after that one class classic with group class uh, I asked him can I study more with you and how do I do that can I study with you privately and he said uh, come to my house and let's talk and then he took me on as a private student, and um, I started to study Patanjali with him, uh, Yoga Sutras with him, and there were so many things that I didn't understand. And I, and at some moment I realized that Patanjali is drawing upon other traditions, such as the Sankhya Darshana and the Vedantic tradition. So then I started to study that, so I could understand what the heck it was that Patanjali was saying. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, begin began to study some of the Upanishads and a little bit the Gita and some uh, more kind of obscure texts, comparative texts mm-hmm. uh, under his uh, guidance. And he was, he was the driving force in deciding what it was that I should uh, study. So I felt like I was in amazing hands and I felt that for the first time this man is, seems to be able to uh, make me comprehend, which is not an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, I just felt, you know, uh, who am I to judge? But I just felt that his delivery was had a purity mm-hmm. um, to it that I uh, that I fell in love with. To be honest with you, I fell in love with this seventy-four-year-old professor. <laughs> um, like I, my heart would, was like beating for this man you know my wife was getting jealous now she was not <laughs> yeah, but um, and it's kind of still is I just feel that he is uh, the definition of a true friend that wants the best for you 
who is not trying, to, that doesn't have a second uh, agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and in the meeting with this man, and I began to uh, wrap my head a little bit around the sutras. And I think that was a pivoting point for me to, to begin more and more to look to these texts for answers when I had existential questions in my life. Mm -hmm. Or just simple questions. So I would study with him and I would go out on the streets and I would be in some event or some situation with, um, you know, the barista, my wife or a yoga teacher or a student or my parents or something. And, and there would be a conflict. And suddenly I felt like I was understanding a little bit more about the grammar, the underlying predicament for this conflict, simply because I could relate it to some of the, uh, the sutras some yeah. of the verses in the yoga sutras, some of the stuff that I learned. And now that was just a huge turn on for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I said in other words, I've, I felt that I started to understand a little bit more about this crazy wild world we live in mm -hmm. and my own reactions mm -hmm. and therefore other people's reactions and so forth. And that is, that's still really what drives me. Yeah. And when I go to my mat and I, I am discouraged and it's too early and my body's stiff and I ate too much last night and I would much rather, you know, go to the beach or something. Then I know that when I do my asana practice, there's a part of my body and my mind and my heart that opens up and becomes transparent to let this deep knowledge flow in towards a deeper center in me and I start to encompass, I start to uh, uh, embody that material more. And that's why I practice. And that's why I accept, as, I, as we spoke about from the beginning today, that's why I accept the hardship of putting the leg behind my head, so jumping back or learning a new asana or not learning a new asana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Does it make sense? Yeah, that's so beautifully said, and that, uh, um, and it, as you were finishing that up, it made me think about that the beauty of studying the sutras and the philosophy and the other different ancient texts, um, which I love. I love getting into that, and um, yeah. and I'm, I'm jealous that you have found this teacher. You know, I mean, I. I, uh, yes. because we use, I would be jealous too. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we have, uh, we use Desikachar's book and our teacher training and we wonderful man teach that twice a year, like 21 weeks each go. So I read that book twice a year and, um, yeah. over and over and in the, the margins, he, he'll refer to other sort of obscure texts that, um, maybe Krishnamacharya had, had referenced and you know and this this philosophy says this and the sutras say this and or the hatha yoga pradipika has contradictions and you know it wasn't yeah. saying this is right and that is wrong yeah. but then i would go buy that book you know? yeah <laughs> i want to see what's in that book and so now i have a bookshelf full of all these books and um and i you know i try to study them and um glean what i can understand and see how it shows up on the mat and in life like you said i think i think my point to all that was like so as your your practice your physical asana practice um 
I don't know, advances through life, through our lifetime of practice, because, you know, our bodies are, are going to age, there's, it seems to me that as, as the body reaches a point where, I don't know, does your practice start to so kind of go backwards a little bit? Um, I mean, you're, you're so at the, you know, in the youth of life, but I'm, you know, I think about if the physical practice is sustainable for a lifetime when you're 70, when you're 80, it's going to look different than when you're 40 or 50, I would think. You know, that's, that's a funny story. If I can quote Patabi Joyce, she has a funny story from a, one of the conferences where some student asked them and they say, Patabi Joyce, you tell us to do practice uh, every day and all is coming, but what about you? Are you doing your practice? And Patabi Joyce, says, yes. And the, the girl, she's like, she's looking at this fat man that's sitting up there and like staggers around. He's in his 90s, right? And he's like, She's not quite. She's not fighting. She's not really believing it, right? So, she's like, "You do your practice every day." She's. He's like, "Yes." And there's a little pause, and she says, "You do primary series every day." And he leans forward in the chair, and he looks at her as if, like, slightly annoyed, and as if she's absolutely crazy. And she says, "I am ninety, ninety." <laughs> then he went on to the next question. Uh-huh. And and I think what happened that day was that this young girl who asked a, a honest question, they didn't disconnect because when she said, when, she, when Pataba Joyce said practice and she thought practice, she thought primary series. Mm-hmm. And when Pataba Joyce says practice, he says abhyasa. He says uh, the effort we put into steadying the mind. Mm-hmm. and um, tapas. And he would wake up early every day and he would do japa and he would do prayer and so forth. And in classic yoga, as I'm sure you, you would agree, that is considered uh, practice. Mm-hmm. That is the equivalent to practice. You can do pranayama, you can do meditation, you can do recitation of prayers or mantras, you can do uh, asana practice, and it's really up to us. Um so he continued, you know, in that way. And in some way, I like the way that you're working. You say you advance and you practice and can we advance even be beyond age? And I'm 54 and I'm definitely feeling, you know, the years uh, pile on there. Um, no doubt about it. But um, I feel that um, there is a subtle practice that begins to be more interesting, um, for instance, just to make it through a primary series with a, a short breath and a, and a strong pace um, and to do all the asanas is, uh, is not really what I'm interested in. What I personally feel is interesting, and maybe you would agree, coming from your meditative practice, is that it is that subtlety, it's that as Goyenka calls it in the Vipassana uh, tradition, he says this softness. That there's this very soft, uh, subtle, delicate um, point inside that we are trying to maintain and that we're not trying to harden up and stiffen up with. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, that, and I, f- I think that is what I consider Patanjali's idea of steadiness. That's when we have reached that um, 
soft, joyful, calm, quiet, undisturbed, unstruggling, uh, uh, yes, yeah, softness, if I may, uh, inside while we are doing our practice. I, I think I'm going, for, I'm going for that rather yeah. than, do you know what I mean? So, so and, and I feel like better at that every year. And I also get a little bit better at I don't really care if I don't jump back. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if you took me 10 years ago and I didn't jump back, and that would be like a little devil up here going, like, Oh, you're a bad, bad person, Tim. Oh, what did you not jump back? And then I do the rest of my practice and I do, I throw half another practice on top of that. And still, when I came out of my practice after, I was like, Ooh. I didn't jump back between March and C and D. So, so, so I feel like that's one of the corners that I've been grinding down, just a little bit more kind. Yeah. Stop, stop creating our own suffering. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And also, you know, like um, uh, when I have, that's a little. Oh, yeah, blah. You said it much better. Stop creating our own suffering. Let's stick with that. Good one. <laughs> uh, well, that's, uh, yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's so, it's like refreshing to hear. And, um, and it's, it's why, um, you know, I was excited to get you on the schedule at City Yoga because I'm like, oh, this guy, he's, he has Thank depth you, to his practice in a lot of different ways. So that's, that, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and now, you know, just getting to know you through this conversation, I'm even, I'm even more excited to, uh, awesome. yeah, get you out here and, and to, uh, get in the intensive that's coming up when, whatever dates I sign, it's on my calendar. <laughs> um, I will uh, find you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, um, is, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up that, you know, that any things any thoughts or any stories or any experience you want to share with? No, I think that, hey, I'm Dukamanagatam, that like stop the pain before it's coming. Stop creating your own struggling. I think that's pretty, pretty dang perfect way to, to end this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, very good. Well, and uh, oh, man, we've been talking for a while. So I okay. thank you for like indulging me and, in this time and uh flies in good company it does it does um so for our listeners out there um i will definitely add to the podcast notes um information on where to find tim and what he's up to so we'll have you know you can find him on instagram and uh, facebook and uh, his uh, tim feldman um yoga and Miami Life Center and then it's got the schedule and all those fun things and um, yeah Tim so it's been a great pleasure to speak with you thank you thank you Dave likewise thank you for listening to the yoga voice brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.